Hello, my beautiful friends. My name is Bryn Wise, and you are listening to the Grace Mama Grace podcast. I am a mom who struggles with mom guilt, and I am working tirelessly to overcome it. It is my mission to help you remember that you are enough, exactly the way you are. You are the mother your children need, and you are perfect as a mother just because you love your kids. Let's do this. Hello, hello, my gorgeous friends. I'm super stoked to be here today, and what a beautiful and timely message that I have to share with you today. I am at my family's house celebrating Easter, and it has been an emotional weekend. There's been so many high highs. There's been so many low lows. I got to meet my new niece for the first time. I got to go see my dad. My son got to hug my dad for the first time in over a year and a half. I got to spend so much fabulous quality time with my siblings, my sisters, my friends, my mom, my stepdad, my dad. It's Easter weekend. It's conference weekend, which for those of you who are not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that just basically means it's like a two-day I don't even know the right words. It's two days of speakers and uplifting spiritual messages. And it is beautiful. It's uplifting. It's fulfilling. It's fabulous. And there's also been some hard conversations that have been happening with my siblings and I. And and it just has really got me thinking all about emotions this week and what a beautiful and powerful thing emotions are and i think as moms we hear that saying all the time when mama ain't happy ain't nobody happy and it's it's a true statement right and while while that statement speaks to the power of us as moms as women to set the tone of our home and gives us this beautiful power and privilege, it also sets this really, really high bar, even if it's just subconsciously, of mom, you better be happy all the time or else it is your fault for your children and your spouse and their happiness, right? And I I don't think it's a conscious thing, but I think subconsciously as women, we put our own emotions and the emotions of our spouse and our children, our significant other, on our own shoulders and so if other people are unhappy it's my fault right it's my fault and that that is the danger of that statement and for one thing mama I just want to give you grace that for one thing do you have the power to create and set the tone in your home yes you do but is it your quote-unquote fault when things are not always happy and positive No, it's not. And with that said, do things always have to be happy and positive? No, they don't. And actually, some of our greatest teaching moments and the greatest experiences that come in our lives are in those moments that are hard and that hurt and that are deep and that just feel icky and awful and uncomfortable and painful But when we can dig into those emotions and lean into them, we can really truly come out on the other side feeling 
free and feeling more alive. And you don't have to, both for yourself and for your children, you don't have to have the words to fix it. I know for me personally, I am a mom and a significant other in in both of those relationships. I like to fix things. If you're feeling sad, I want to fix it. If you if you're not loving something about your life, I want to fix it. I want to brainstorm with you. I want to plan it out. Let's figure it out. Let's fix it together. Let's I'm a fix it Felix, right? But that doesn't always serve me well. And honestly, there are just times where you know what? These people that are trusting in me and confiding in me with their hard emotions, they don't want me to fix it. They just want me to sit with them. They just want me to listen. They just want me to have empathy and sympathy and just give them a hug. And just, I am so sorry that things are like that. And there is so much power in not needing to fix everything. There is so much power in not needing to be right all the time and not needing to be the hero in the situation. And so mamas, if this is something that is speaking to your heart, the two books that have really, really influenced my life when it comes to emotions and emotional healing. One is No Limits by John Maxwell. There's a whole chapter about emotional capacity and it is so dang good. And the second one is Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. And in that book, she very specifically talks about being brave enough to sit in the negative emotions, being brave enough to have the hard conversations, being brave enough to go through the, the wilderness so that you can come out more of who you are on the other side, more free, more empathetic, more sympathetic, more of everything that you are and everything that you want to be. But it does take bravery. You have to be brave. And notice the book was not called Braving the Beach, right? It's called Braving the Wilderness for, for a reason because it's going to be wild. It's going to be hard. It's going to be unknown. It's, it could be treacherous. Honestly, it could be deadly, right? But you have to be willing to be brave enough, even if you go it alone, to go through that wilderness so that you can come out on the other side emotionally better and emotionally stronger. There is an analogy I once heard, um, and I referenced this a couple episodes ago when I had Rachel on as a guest We met at a camp, and I started going to this camp when I was 12 years old, and I was so mad about it, to be completely real, because I was like, Mom, I do not need this. Like, what teenager wants to go to a camp to learn about their emotions, right? But this camp really has shaped me in so many ways, and it's it doesn't go, it doesn't happen anymore. So, but I'm really super passionate about sharing the things that I've learned over the years, starting with this camp when I was 12 years old, sharing it with others so that they can have the emotional capacity to have emotional strength and and grow from the hard experiences. And that's where Rachel and I met. And in that camp, it was called Choices, they gave an analogy about a sliver. And when you have a sliver, the only way to heal from the sliver is to get it out. 
and you can't ignore it. You can't ignore that sliver. Ignoring it will not make it better. It will make it worse. It will get infected. It could potentially get pussy. It could, you know, if it, you let it get really bad enough, it, it could potentially mean you need to amputate that finger or that hand or whatever if you really, really, really let it get out of hand because the infection spreads so much, right? The only way to heal that sliver is to pull it out. And pulling it out is very uncomfortable. It is very uncomfortable. You have to use tweezers. Sometimes you have to use a needle. Sometimes you have to puncture the skin even worse to really get in and get it all out. Sometimes only parts come out, not the whole thing. And it's it's hard. It's painful. But the only way to heal from it is to get it out all the way and to do the work. Dig in deep so that you can get that sliver out. And when it comes to healing and your emotions, you have to be willing to do the uncomfortable work. You have to be willing to dig the sliver out. You have to be willing to figure out how deep it goes. What are the right tools that you need? Do you need tweezers? Can you just pinch it out with your fingernails? Do you need a needle? Do you need a light to help you see it better? Some slivers aren't that bad. Some slivers are really bad, right? And just using your emotional intelligence to figure out what do I need to heal from this and trying new things, right? The definition of insanity is repeating the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. If you need emotional healing, try something new, try something different. And you guys, I have had therapy, so many different therapists, I can't even count. I've had marriage therapy. I've had betrayal trauma therapy. I have had coaches, life coaches, so like three, I think now, maybe more than that. I can't even think at the moment. But there are so many people in my life who have taught me amazing things. And I could never do this on my own. And I want to encourage you to lean in to your village so that you can grow into the best version of you because when you are happy your whole family is happy your whole life is happy and when you have the emotional intelligence enough to be willing to feel your own pain then you have that emotional intelligence to be willing to sit with your kids with your spouse with your siblings, with your friends, with your parents, with whoever it might be, with a complete stranger in their pain because you're not unfamiliar with this feeling. You know what it feels like. And now you can have empathy. You can have compassion. You can have love towards this person and you're not uncomfortable with it. You're not shying away from it. You don't need to fix it. You don't need to put a band-aid on the sliver. You don't need to be the one that provides the tweezers. You just need to sit with them and say, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. Is there anything I can do to help you feel better? Right? And let them be that judge versus, oh, I know of a solution. Let me fix this for you. Right? So... And this is as much to myself as to anyone else. I need to get better at this. I need to get better at not putting a Band-Aid on things. I need to get better at not automatically jumping to solving other people's problems. I need to be more willing to 
sit with people and their emotions, have more empathy. And I just wanted to share this with you as I am learning it too. So when it comes to your children and helping them learn emotions and emotional intelligence, I want to share a couple of tips with you. Things that I did as a kindergarten teacher, as a preschool teacher, that I do as a mom, and I have really, really noticed that it has blessed my life and blessed their lives and opened up the door for so many fabulous conversations. Okay, so I've got three tips for you. The first one is something that I learned in college, and it's called social referencing. And I'm sure as I paint this picture, you will know exactly what I'm talking about, okay? There are so many times when our kids, especially like a baby, right? Anywhere from like six months to like 18 months, maybe a little earlier than that, maybe a little later than that, where they fall and their automatic reaction is to look at you. And they want to see your reaction. And it, it may have been a huge fall, right? But they are looking to you for, holy crap, I just fell. Should I be freaking out right now? Should I be crying and screaming? Or should I just like brush it off and be okay? And I'm sure you've seen probably those moms at the park or on play dates or whatever, where they celebrate their children's fallings or they say something like safe, right? Or like, yeah, that was a cool trick. Like way to rock. That was a good fall, dude. Get back up. Go keep running, right? Or whatever. That is called social referencing. And when our kids fall and our automatic reaction, and trust me, this is me too. Our automatic reaction is, (gasps) right? To like gasp and, oh my gosh, are they okay? I hope they're okay. I hope they're okay, right? And our automatic reaction is to like freak out or jerk or gasp or oh my gosh, right? But if we can check ourselves and instead just like, oh my gosh, that was the coolest thing you've ever done. That was a cool trick. Way to rock, right? And this literally happens all the time. I've got a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a one-year-old. And all the time, my kiddos are falling and they're looking at me. How should I react? It's mostly now with my two-year-old and my one-year-old that they still look for me for how should I react in this situation? My four-year-old, almost all the time, he just jumps up and keeps going now. Unless, and if he really cries, then I know, okay, like he really is hurt because we've been doing this for four years now of us celebrating anytime he falls. And there is one downside to this. He laughs when other people fall down. (laughs) And I'm like, "Eh, maybe we should have a little bit more empathy and compassion. I'm glad you're like celebrating instead of like freaking out over them. But at the same time, maybe we should make sure they're okay before we just like laugh at them, right? So there is a little bit of downside to that. And I do need to work (laughs) on that with my children. But but for the most part, he just jumps right back up and keeps on going. And if he cries, then it's that concept of the little boy who cried wolf, right? Like, I trust him. When he cries, okay, no, like, he really got hurt. And he didn't look to me and cried because I prompted him to cry. Like, he really got hurt and he really needs me now. So then I go, right? And so it's it helps me to know and teach them, like, am I okay? Like, do I need to freak out about this or, or am I going to live like, right. And I always try to also make light of like, ow, that really hurt. Like when my kids get hurt or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Are you going to die? And then they, no, I'm not going to die. And I'm like, Oh, good. Oh, thank goodness. Right. And I try to make light of it and, and just help them realize like, is it okay to get hurt? Of course it is. Is it okay to acknowledge that you're hurt? Of course it is. But we don't need to like, 
be crazy, right? And we don't need to make a huge deal out of this little thing. And I think sometimes we do. We make a huge deal out of tiny things as humans. And then it's that boy who cried wolf situation where in your relationships, uh, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back, right? Like we got to learn to differentiate the straws from the brick wall falling down, right? And not make this huge deal out of those straws and have the emotional intelligence to work through the straws by yourself so that when you have a real brick wall and you really need help, okay, that person trusts you. That person's not overwhelmed by all your emotional neediness. And now they really do want to have the conversation because they're not overwhelmed by all the other little straws they've already had to work through with you, right? So, and same thing goes with your kiddos. Teach them. When, pay attention next time. Because if you've got littles especially, or if you've got grandkids, if you've got nieces and nephews, if you've got your own children that are small, if you've got any little people ever in your life, when they fall, celebrate them. Make it funny. Make it a joke. Whoa, that was an awesome trick, right? Or like, yay, you did it. Good job. Or safe, right? Like, Like in baseball. You know, just making it a jest, making it funny. Obviously, making sure they're okay. But we know when they're genuinely hurt versus when they're not. When they're genuinely hurt, they don't look to you for how should I react. They just immediately start crying because that really hurt, right? It's when they're looking at you for how should I react in this situation, that's when you do those moments of you're going to be all right. It's going to be okay, okay? That's called social referencing. Number two tip that I have for you is to celebrate empathy, So many times when I'm out and about, I hear mamas, when one kid is crying and the other kid starts crying, they start freaking out at kid number two. And they say like, stop crying. You're not hurt. Stop it. Stop crying. And really, we need to recognize that for what it is. They are feeling empathy. When they have a sibling or a friend or a cousin or whatever it is that they are with, And one of them is feeling sad, so they start to cry. What they're experiencing is empathy. I'm sad because he's sad. Or I'm sad because she's sad. Why are they sad? And they don't know how to express themselves other than to just spontaneously burst into tears too. And I know, like in those moments, it's hard to like, oh my gosh, it's already bad enough with one kid crying. Now I have two kids crying, right? But if we can instead take a deep breath and turn to the second kid who is crying and tell them, I'm so proud of you. You're crying right now because you're feeling something called empathy. Empathy means you're sad because your baby sister is sad. That's so beautiful. That is so good. That means your heart loves your baby sister and you're sad because she's sad. That is empathy, right? And just having this tiny little teaching moment about emotions in the moment and teaching them, oh, it's okay that I'm sad. I'm sad because I love my sister and I'm sad because she's sad, right? Instead of getting mad at them for, stop crying, nothing happened to you, be quiet, right? And teaching them, using that as a teaching moment to celebrate empathy, okay? Number three, 
tip that I have for you when it comes to your kiddos. I learned this. I taught for a few years at the Brigham Young University Preschool. And I learned this from one of my teacher mentors. Her name was Dory Hawes. She was amazing. Miss Dory. Loved her. Love her. Love her. And she had something called the We Care Center. And it was like W-E-E Care. We Care Center. And there was a lotion bottle filled with boo-boo. Or sorry. Yes, it was lotion. Three different lotion bottles that are all the same size. But one had a cover that said boo-boo cream. One had a cover that said focus cream and one had a cover that said cranky cream. And I've shared this with a few of my friends and a couple of them have even said like, yeah, you could totally add essential oils to this and it could really, really help them in this, in this area, in this regard. I personally, I just have lotion in them. I haven't gone so far as to put essential oils in them, but it's totally a placebo at this point, but it, it opens up beautiful conversations. We have, in my own home, we have boo-boo cream, cranky cream, and focus cream. And anytime they're feeling cranky, anytime I'm feeling cranky, I think I need some cranky cream. And I just go get a couple pumps of lotion and rub it on my hands, take a deep breath. Okay, I feel better. I was feeling a little cranky, right? And I, I show them by example that I can fix this. I'm feeling an emotion. I'm identifying it. How can I fix it? Right? And and then we can take it a step further and talk about why was I feeling cranky? Right? Well, I'm a little frazzled. What does frazzled mean, mom? Right? And we can talk about this. Or I'm stressed because of this. Or I'm upset because I asked you to help me blah, 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 blah. And you're not. So I'm feeling a little bit cranky. Right? Or whatever. And it opens up these conversations to help them recognize, oh, I feel these emotions, mom feels these emotions, but there are solutions to this, okay? And with the focus cream, all right, sweetheart, you're not focusing on your job, whether it's cleaning up the playroom and helping me with the dishes or focusing on reading or whatever it is, their chores, their tasks, their whatever, let's get you some focus cream so that your brain can focus, okay? And then we can talk all the time about like, my brain gets distracted too. And we can talk about distractions and how we can do better at focusing on one thing and being present and in the moment and all those things that brings up beautiful conversations. And boo-boo cream, we can talk about physical injuries as well as internal injuries. And the other day, my daughter, my husband got mad at her because she opened the baby's room while she was sleeping. We're on vacation, right? And she immediately started crying and he was like, whoa, whoa, what? Like, what happened? And her cry was like very like loud, spontaneous, looking back. I think she was just a little tired, you know, like he didn't do anything to warrant that much crying that quickly, you know what I mean? But he thought she was physically hurt. And I asked her, sweetheart, did you get an owie or is your heart hurting? And she threw her tears, my heart is hurting, right? And she's two. And it was so cute and so sweet to hear her just like work through this. And so we were able to talk about, sweetheart, your heart is hurting because daddy was a little upset with you. Why was daddy upset with you, right? And we were just able to talk about, you know, not to open our baby's room while she's sleeping, okay? And we were able to talk about that, but we were able to differentiate the difference between when your heart is hurting and you feel sad or when you're actually physically hurt. I got an owie. I need a Band-Aid. I need some boo-boo cream, like both types of pain. And it, it truly has opened up beautiful, beautiful conversations. So I also have this poster in 
uh, on display in our playroom that's just at eye level and there's everything from there's just these little emojis essentially and it's just on a white poster board I printed out these emojis laminated the poster board and yep that's it that's all it is um, and there's everything from happy to surprised to excited to cranky to sleepy grumpy whatever right there's like I don't know off the top of my head but there's probably like 16 different emotions on this chart and really as of right now we don't really use it that much but I know that they see it all the time and sometimes they just like will randomly look at it and read it and I know as we continue to have random spontaneous conversations and teaching moments we can use it as a reference. Yeah, this is what it feels like to be surprised. And and they're they're able to put a name and a label on each emotion, right? Because there's not just joy and sadness in life. There is a very real difference between joy and sadness and fear and hurt, right? And there's these that and that's another thing that choices really taught me is is the difference between anger and hurt and fear especially because there is a very distinct difference and when we're feeling these emotions putting a label on them not just for our children but for ourselves and when I'm feeling something when when I feel that rise in my heart rate and I start to get hot and I start to get sweaty what is it what is it that I'm feeling Am I feeling overwhelmed? Am I am I afraid? Am I feeling am I feeling stressed out? Am I feeling angry? Putting a label on it, recognizing the symptoms in my body, and even putting a color to it, and recognizing which part of your body you're feeling that emotion in, is really powerful. And where is it coming from? Am I feeling all the tension in my stomach? Am I feeling all the tension in my heart? Am I feeling the tension in my neck, in my jaw? Where is that emotion coming from and and why? What does that mean, right? And, and how can I improve? How can I improve upon it? You are not broken for feeling emotions. Life is not all sunshine and rainbows. It's not. And you are allowed to feel pain. You are allowed to feel angry. You are allowed to feel hurt. You are allowed to be afraid. You are allowed to feel stressed and overwhelmed. And there are tools and resources to working through that. And the more you give yourself permission, Mama, to work through those things, the more you'll be prepared to help your kids work through their big emotions. The more you'll be prepared to sit in the uncomfortable things as they're getting bullied or as they're going through emotions of not feeling good enough or as they're going through disappointment because they weren't invited to their friend's birthday party or as they're going through heartbreak as a teenager or as they're going through whatever it is because you have learned for yourself how to go through it. And now you can recognize it in them and you can help coach them through it too. One of the things my betrayal trauma coach taught me is that the best way as women to get it out, to get out your emotions is either to speak it out or to write it out. Just thinking it all the time, that is not healing in any way, shape or form. And it just keeps playing in a loop in your head until you have to release it. So you have got to either write it out or speak it out 
to someone you trust. This is not Bryn giving you permission to go post on Facebook about your hard, terrible life, right? That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your one trusted friend that is not going to try to one-up you, who's not going to shame you for feeling that way, who's not going to try to fix your problem. I can get better at that, right? Who's just going to give you empathy and love you and listen to you through this. Speak to them and let them be that person to help you through this. Or go buy yourself a 97 cent notebook from Walmart or buy yourself a cute journal from Target or Home Depot, not Home Depot, Office Depot or whatever, wherever you buy your stuff, just write it out, write it out. Get all your emotions out, everything you're thinking, everything you're feeling, everything you're going through, nothing held back, get it out. Because that's the way the sliver starts to heal. That's the way you get to pull the sliver all the way out. And speaking with someone you love and trust about, okay, if someone else is involved in this process, if someone else is involved in this healing process, how do I talk to them about this? What is the best way to heal from this? How can I improve upon this? And looking back at your previous interactions and just recognizing, you know what, that is not how I should have handled that. How could I have handled that differently? And learning from it. It's not a failure unless you don't learn from it. If you still have a heartbeat, if the person that you wronged or that wronged you still has a heartbeat, there is still time to fix broken relationships. So learn. Learn from those mistakes. Go forward. And if you need to heal together, do everything you can in your own power to heal on your own first and then figure out what it is that needs to be said to that person specifically. Say it to them in the best way that you know how and then try to heal. Try to heal together. Try to heal alone. Not putting your healing on their shoulders. Just doing everything you can to heal yourself and then moving forward. And and when you have these moments of speaking to this other person if another person is involved sandwiching your statements with positivity the hard truth in the middle and then positivity at the end and in any any relationship in your life that is beautiful and amazing advice whether you're a dance teacher whether you're a teacher at school whether you're a mom whether you're a spouse whether you have a team of people that you work with, whether you're a manager, whether you're a boss, whether you're a whatever it is, if you sandwich hard truths with love and kindness, it is always, always, always more well-received, okay? And in addition to that, one of my favorite things that I got from the book Braving the Wilderness is going into the conversation, trying to listen to understand not listening to argue because it is totally human nature to want to be correct, to want to be right. And the body language totally changes when you're listening with ears to argue versus listening with ears to truly understand and trying to empathize and trying to be where that person is and be in their shoes and understand their point of view and understand where they're coming from. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to understand it completely. But even just that switch of I'm trying, 
I'm trying to empathize, I'm trying to understand, is so powerful, is so powerful. And when we do that with ourselves, when we do that with each other, when we do that with our children, when we do that with our significant others, our whole world changes because we feel these emotions every day, every day. And when we have a toolkit of working through them, it literally blesses and changes every single aspect of life. One last thing I want to say about this before I close it out today. I heard a really, really fabulous quote from my friend, Brad Bizjack, who's actually going to be a guest on my podcast next week, and I'm so excited about it. Um, But he said that the moment you turn your expectations into appreciation, your life will change in an instant. And so many of our fears and our anger and our resentment and our sadness and all these things, even divorce and and broken relationships with with children, with significant others, with family members, it comes from unmet expectations. And when we can turn, and he, oh, I heard it from him, but he is quoting Tony Robbins, I'm pretty sure. Um, but when we can turn our expectations into appreciation, our life changes in an instant. And what that means is, I'm not going to expect this person to do X, Y, Z, W, Q, and R. I'm just going to love them. And, oh my gosh, they did this thing for me. I appreciate that so much. And when we let go of they should be doing this and they should be doing this and they should be doing this and instead just, I'm just Switzerland. I'm just a neutral party. And I'm just going to appreciate the blessings that do come my way in regard to this person. Our life changes in an instant. Okay. One more thing. I know I said last thing, but I want to share one more thing. I listened to the book Fear is My Homeboy last summer. And my kids were going into swim lessons. And my son just kept saying, I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid. And we came up with this family phrase that said, that we said, I'm scared, but I'm ready to be brave. And putting that emotion on, you know what? Yes, I am feeling fear. I am afraid, but it's okay to feel fear. And now I'm ready to be brave. And even my two-year-old says it sometimes. I'm scared, but I'm ready to be brave. And I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So if that's a tool that you want to put in your tool belt to teach your kiddos to embrace fear, to embrace bravery, to do things that scare them, there you go. There's a piece of advice to add to your toolkit. Okay? Let your kids see you cry. Let your kids see you feeling hurt, pain, emotion, talk through it. Is it okay to be angry? Yeah, it is. Is it okay to throw things and hit things and punch things when you're angry? No. Is it okay to feel anger? Yes. And if you need some awesome songs (laughs) to work you through teaching your kiddos, Daniel Tiger, the PBS Kids Show, has awesome songs that you can learn and sing to your children when they're feeling angry or afraid or sad. 
And there's been so many that I've learned from that show that when you feel so mad that you want to roar, take a deep breath and count to four. One, two, three, four, right? And we've done that song so much with my kids that now we just know, take a deep breath and count to four. And they know exactly what I'm talking about. So they... right and just using songs and and teaching moments and little things like that to have those hard conversations embrace emotions in yourself in your kids in others and striving to become an emotionally intelligent person it will change your life it really will okay i love you my friends i believe in you friends you're not broken feel your emotions You are allowed to feel. Your children are allowed to feel. Embrace them, feel them, learn from them, grow together, heal that sliver, and come out on the other side a better person. I love you. I'll see you next week. All right, you guys, that's it. Thank you for sticking around. If this message spoke to you today, please feel free to share it with someone you love. It would mean the world to me if you would leave this podcast a quick review from wherever you're listening from so that other mamas can find it too. Be sure to find me on Instagram so that we can be friends in real life. You can find me at Bryn Wise. Thank you for making the choice to become a mom. Thank you for loving your kids. Remember that you are doing better than you think you are. Remember to lean on your village. Remember, the biggest contribution you make in this world might not be something you do, but someone you raise. And always remember to give yourself grace.